This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Glory to God. Well, this, the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made, so we're going to what? What else are we going to do? Yeah, glory to God. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. Now, if you've been listening to bad news all week, well, then I ain't got nothing for you. But I'm telling you, the king is coming. You know, you think about uh, what was that one couple that uh, recorded that song, The King is Coming? Come on, all you old people. Huh? The Gaithers. Who was that? You're not that old. Well, anyway. Huh? Well, I'll tell you what, praise God, the king is coming. What a glorious song. Yeah, praise God. And, you know, in the end of that lyric, it says, he's coming for me. Praise God. Did you know he's coming for you? Amen. You're, you're part of his bride, and he's coming again. Hallelujah. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it says, and to those that look for him, will he appear a second time? Not for the purpose of solving the problem of sin, but rather for salvation and deliverance. The culmination of all things. Oh, I tell you what, God is so smart. I tell you, he is so wise. I mean, he's put this thing together, and you know, most people don't even have a clue. The Bible says the princes of this world, when he brought Jesus into the earth um, and gave his life as a ransom for all, the Bible says the princes of this world had no idea what it was that God was doing, because if they'd have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Woo! I'm telling you, God's smart. So while we're fretting, you know, God, listen, God is not fretting. Huh? And if you're his child, you don't have to fret. Isn't that right? You know, I know as a kid growing up, I never worried about anything. Why? Because mom and dad take care of it. Right? Well, dad's taking care of it. Glory to God. And he's going to see to it. So are all the things that you see going on, listen to me. I'm telling you what, history always repeats itself. And we see everything that's going on, you know, maybe in a little bit different flavor or whatever the case might be, but essentially it's the same. And guess what? God always wins. So if you're, his, <clears throat> if you're a part of his family, you know, the Bible talks about of whom the whole family, both in heaven and on earth, if you're born again, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you're part of his family. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank God we've been redeemed. How many of you are glad today you're redeemed? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham can come on us Gentiles. Glory to God. Aren't you glad for that? How about the rest of you? Come on. I'm doing better preaching. You're doing an amen. And amen. So important for us to realize as we're living in these last days, you know, it's just like the scriptures say, you know, it admonishes us, lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. For all of the oppression and all of the things that are going on in the world today, 
that try to bring people down, to, to bring them low, God is saying, listen, I got a different thing going on here, and you have every reason to rejoice and be glad. And folks will say, you know what? You know, my concern is, is that, you know, it's going to affect me personally, and this may be in jeopardy, and, you know, whatever, and this and that and the other. Listen, God is big enough to take care of all of us. And even if the whole thing goes down the tube, guess what? We're going to heaven. Are you listening to me? And none of it's going to matter. So while we're all wrought up, knotted up, and tied up, and all that, I'm telling you, God is systematically working His plan and purpose, which He decreed before the foundation of the world. He said that all of these things would be brought to pass. You know, the Bible talks about living in perilous times. I'd say we're somewhere close to that. Huh? Wouldn't you say? You know, deceivers, you know, and, and seducers and evil men deceiving and being deceived. And because of greed and because of, you know, corruption, all these things, we see all this going on, you know. And, and, and is it pitiful? Yes, it is. Such an incredible place that God created for those who fear Him. But when you got people that leave God, forsake Him, and start walking after their own ways and doing their own things, it never, everybody say never. never. It never works out for them. But thank God. Yes. Because those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Woo! Glory to God. So you can rejoice. Amen. Like I said, I'm doing better preaching. You're doing amen. But I'm trying. Amen. I'll tell you why that is, because, you know, we're not mindful of what it is that God has promised and what he said. It's not the dominant thing within our lives, because we're bombarded from every side of all of the negative things that are going on in the world. And that's why, praise God, he said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw near to you. And I'm telling you, in this time, in this age, and where you and I are, it's time to draw near. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Because the king's coming. Huh? I said he's coming. And I'm telling you what, praise God, we want to be prepared for his coming. You say, well, what's that look like? That means we're serving him. That we're serving the kingdom of God. That we're working in the kingdom, advancing the kingdom, doing his bidding, living in a way that is honorable and pleasing to him, revering Yes, and honoring the king with our lives. You know, he tells us that we're to put away and get rid of and clean up and straighten up and all of these things. And not only that, but he has empowered us by the spirit of God dwelling in us to be able to do it. Amen. Woo, glory to God. You know, when the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Guess what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now, we couldn't do it on our own or in our own strength. We all kind of tried that. Guess what? That doesn't work out too good. Huh? But thank God in Him. I said thank God in Him. Yes, we can do all things. You know, people that are riding a fence are going to get their britches ripped out. Did you plan this? You didn't have anything to do with it, did you? 
it, there it, we're there. Where people, believers I'm talking about, need to make some decisions about who they're going to serve. You know, when, uh, when God took the nation of Israel into the land of uh, promise, Canaan's land, and after they had, you know, basically laid siege to every part of that country, Joshua was, you know, going the way of all those in the earth. He was about to pass away. And <clears throat> he said, you know, God's done this. And here's the incredible thing about it is that in his testimony, Joshua said that there's not one word that has failed of all of the good things that God said he would do. He has fulfilled them all. Now, that's the way God is. He watches over his word to perform it. He did it in their generation. He's going to do it in ours. You know, whether you believe it or not, God is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. So isn't it a lot easier for us just to decide to believe him and flow with whatever it is that he's saying and practice and put into application the things that he's prescribed so that the blessing of God can flow in our lives? Amen. So in Joshua's case, you know, he said, um, God has done all of these things, and he said, uh, now you're faced with a decision as to who it is that you're going to serve. You know? He said, as for me and my house, what are we going to do? You know, it's, it's not about what other people are doing. It's what you're doing. What are you doing? You know, what, how is it that you're going to live before God? Because after all, it is a personal relationship with Him. Isn't it? I mean, it's not, it's not like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having this religious experience vicariously through my parents or my grandma or my whatever. No, 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 no. It's all about you and Him and walking in the light of the Word. Are you listening to me? Woo! I said, woo, <laughs> glory to God. So it's an exciting time to be alive, you guys. Now, again, you know, you look at the things going on in the world, you know, perilous, all kinds of things that are occurring. So much of a shift has taken place in the last 15 months. Something has changed. You say, wow, this just isn't the same. You're absolutely right. Hell is unleashing its fury. Because the devil knows that his time is short. But you know what? It'll not come nigh thee if you'll walk in the light of his word. I said if you'll walk in the light of his word. I said if you will walk in the light of his word. The Bible says to give the devil no place. None. You know, when we open up the door of our lives to the devil, he sure enough will come in. You say, how does that happen? By disobeying God. By doing things that we know that are displeasing to him. Because for whatever reason, we've decided this is what we want. Well, listen, you don't. I said, you don't. You said, Pastor, aren't you going to take a scripture someplace? Yeah, but later. <laughs> this is the appetizer. I'm just trying to kind of prime the pump here a little bit. Are you with me? Because I'll tell you what, praise God, in the days in which you and I are living, we can be so much a part of what it is that God is doing in the earth. You know, he talked about the need for praying, that the church would be at prayer. We can be those that stand in the gap. You know, interestingly enough, here just uh, yesterday or today, I don't remember now, uh, 
us praying for Israel. Did you know that Israel needs your prayers? Yeah, they do. Why? Because hell is unleashing its fury against the people of God. Are, are you with me? You know, hell hates God and everything that is associated with him. And that includes you. So that's why you better be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's, that's why you better get your house in order and make sure that you're putting him first. Are you with me? And now you said, well, what's that look like? It's, it, it looks simply like this. God, in, in the beginning of your day, when you gain consciousness, you say, God, I thank you so much for your mercy toward me. And I ask you today, Father, to order my steps. Show me the way in which you would have me to go. Huh? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. That's putting him first. Huh? But if we're not mindful of him, if we're not really thinking about that, I mean, after all, praise God, the government gave me a lot of money and I want to spend it. Well, guess what? That gravy train is coming to an end. And the end is going to be devastating. Are you with me? So there maybe are a few other things that we need to be thinking about. But I got my eye on this boat. Well, you know what? You can have as many boats as you want. I don't care. But let's not ill order, you know, the priorities of our life. And let's make sure that we're putting him first. Because guess what? Your boat won't float in heaven. Huh? Now, if you've got a boat, I'm not against you having a boat. You can have whatever you want. My point is, is that sometimes we set our hearts on things that really aren't that important. Huh? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Giving, allowing God and His Word to have the first position within our life. Because that's where the blessing of God is. Are you with me? I told you we were going to share Scripture with you. Let's look at first, no, Second Chronicles chapter 26. It's back there in your Bible where all the pages are stuck together. Okay, you get back in there and you'll find it. Second Chronicles, you say, well, I ain't going to do that. I'm going to look on my device. All right, go ahead, cheat. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 26. It's interesting because, like I said earlier, you know, history does have a way of uh, repeating itself. And, um, you know, when Paul was writing to the church there at Corinth, he made reference to the fact that all of these things that were written uh, about the things that happened aforetime are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth have come. In other words, we can look back to Israel's history, see how it is that they lived, what they did right, what they did wrong, and their outcomes, and we can learn. Everybody say learn. We can learn from what it is that took place within their life. It is intended. That's why we have this record, so that we can know, everybody say no, you know, how it is that we are to carry ourselves in the world in which we live. Now, I don't have time to go into, you know, all of the details of this, but, <clears throat> you know, Israel wanted a king, and God said, you don't need a king, I'll be your king. And they said, no, 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 we want to be like all the other nations of the world, they got a king, and you know, he'll take care of us and this and that and the other. And he's something tangible and physical that we can look at and we want a king. And so uh, God told Samuel, he says, go ahead and give them what they want. But tell them 
the outcome of it. And basically, he said, this king will make your children slaves to serve him and his purposes, and he'll take from you and all of these different kinds of things, and, uh, which would not happen if you were to allow me to be your king. Well, anyway, they got Saul. And guess what? That didn't work out so good. Huh? You know, this guy, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it does matter, but, you know, he made some serious mistakes. And thank God David came along, you know, a man after God's own heart. That's what you want to be. You want to be a person that is after the heart of God. Are you listening to me? You know the whole story about his being chosen, you know, and, and you know, the prophet figured it, you know, the firstborn, good-looking, handsome, tall, dark, whatever, whatever, whatever. He's the guy. God says, no, he's not the guy. Did you know that God doesn't judge things from an outward appearance? He looks at people's heart. He looks at your heart. He looks at my heart. And he got all the way down to number eight. They had to wait, you know, till Jesse went out and, you know, had somebody fetch David and came out of the sheep pasture. And, and God told the prophet, said, he's the one, anoint him. And he was anointed as and to be the king over Israel. Now, you know, there was a lot of water that went under the bridge in David's life. Saul tried to kill him. He became, you know, uh, envious of him. They started singing about David killing his 10,000 when Saul was only killing 1,000. Guess what? That, that didn't go over real good. So he's trying to chase him down. And, you know, it's interesting because he'd been anointed to be the king over Israel, and yet there is the king that currently is, is in position trying to take his life. You know? You know, on the road to the will of God for your life, there are going to be challenges. You are going to have to face some giants. And so many times people say, God, why are you doing this to me? Well, the fact of the matter is God doesn't have a thing in the world to do with it. He's already ordained where it is that he has called you and the plan that he has for you, but the devil does not want you to get there. Are you listening to it? So God is not your problem, as many often think. You know, uh, I wish I had time to talk about this, you know, but Job, I mean, that whole deal there, I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's another thing where, you know, he was asking why. And sometimes that's, that's the wrong question to ask. You know, what's, what's the issue is, is, you know, what is it that is trying to subvert and keep the will of God from coming to pass within my life that is an onslaught from hell? You know, there are, there are men and women that stand in pulpits today that do not believe there is a literal devil. If you happen to be in one of those churches, you better find another place to land. Because the Bible says your adversary, the devil, roams about as a roaring lion seeking those whom he may, didn't say could, may devour, whom you are to resist. Everybody say resist. Resist him, and he will flee from you, steadfast in the faith. How many of you know God is good? He's good to all. He's good to you. Oh, if it were not for the mercies of God, the Bible says all of us would be consumed. But thank God he's made a way for you and me to be able to serve him acceptably and humbly 
and follow his plan, his purpose for our lives. How many of you want to do that today? I said, how many of you want to do that today? I said, how many of you want to do that today? You know, we're living in a time, praise God, where we, the church, need to wake up. You know? It's not about just, you know, uh, church is not something that we do. Although that's the attitude of many. The church is who we are. You know? That's who we are. And so if it's just something that we, you know, try to fit into our lives, well, I need to go to church today. Haven't been to church for a while. Better go to church. Well, if that's all it really means to you, then you got a problem. Because it is the place that God himself, Jesus, ordained. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is a community. It is a place of refuge. It is a, 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 an oasis for people who are God-fearing and love God to come for community, for fellowship, for relationship. And not only that, but to worship God and to serve God and to live for God. That's why he gave us the church. Are you listening to me? Now, here's the reason why I bring it up. Because the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. So it almost implies that there ought to be a leaning into whatever it is that's going in the body life of the church instead of a backing up. Would you agree? Okay. You say, wow, you're just saying that because you want to crowd in the church. That's not why I'm saying that. I'm saying it for your sake. You. Not me. You. Everybody say me. Yeah, you. Not me. You. Say, yeah, but I don't want to be locked in. I don't want to be this or that. You know the whole locked in thing? That, that, that is a heart issue. Huh? Thanks for your enthusiasm. I, I understand it. I mean, I totally get it. People will tell me all the time, well, man, I work five days a week. And, you know, I got two days. Sometimes I work six. You know, and I only have one day. What is that day? It's Sunday. I only have one day. So I don't want anybody telling me about what I can do with my one day. Well, okay. It's all right. That one day could save your life. Are you with me? Don't, don't live on the outside of the grace of God. Live right in the middle of it, deep in your commitment to Him. Find out another way. You know, there's so many things in people's lives that are... I'm, I'm going to get to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Don't worry about it. I'll get there. But there's so many things in people's lives that are crowding God out. We have all these options available to us, things that we can do, places we can go, you know, all of this resource, money, you know, things that, that allow us to be able to do 
a lot of things. And thank God for that. I'm not, I'm not pounding it. I think it's awesome. But when it becomes more important than him, and we never intend it, come on. You know, it's like the summer months are coming, and you guys are going to go on vacation. And I tell you what, I want to go with you. But the reality is, is that we don't forsake the church because it's summertime. Are you with me? Don't forget the local church. No, I tell you what, we need to make, make sure that our priorities are in line here. We'll figure out another way to be able to do this. We need to be in church. Okay? Now, I know you're going to miss some weekends. I'm going to miss some weekends. But you get the point. I'm talking about the, the, the prevailing attitude is, is kind of what I'm trying to drive at here. So that we make sure that we don't allow other things to replace him. Yeah, but I can watch you, you know. I mean, I, I mean no matter where we are, baby, we can get you. You know, we just do the internet thing. Well, you know what? The internet, in some ways, has become a curse instead of a blessing. How many of you would agree with that? Now, I thank God for the capabilities of that, and for all of you that are watching, I'm not pounding you either. You know, but I'm just saying that it, well, hey, we don't have to, you know, you know just watch him. You know, it's so much quicker. I don't have to get ready. I don't have to smell good. I don't have to do anything. I just turn on TV, watch him, you know, pow. You know, an hour later, we're over with, and I can go on about my business. Well, what about your gifting? What about what it is that God has entrusted you with? You say, well, I don't have anything. You sure do. I said every one of us have something to contribute to the body of Christ. You can't contribute if you ain't there. Are you with me? I mean, it may be a smile. It may be praying for someone. It may be a hug. It may be serving in some department within the church or whatever it is. But God has given you something to make a contribution or a deposit within, you know, the body life of the church and the kingdom of God. So again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm, if anything at all, I'm just kind of trying to give you an admonition and warn you, don't get caught up. Maybe you already are. Well, you couldn't be because you're here, <laughs> right? Don't get yourself lost within the trappings of this world. Does that make sense? All right, let's look at this together. Second <clears throat> um, Chronicles chapter 26. And um, have any of you ever done any study about the kings? You know, I mentioned to you earlier, they, you know, Israel wanted a king, and, they, you know, God says you shouldn't do that. Well, he gave them one. And, and then they started fussing. You know, so there were 12 tribes of, uh, uh, in, in Israel, uh, 10 of which... Uh, became a, a northern kingdom, and two, which were uh, Judah and Benjamin, were the southern kingdom. And they were at odds with one another. And unfortunately, the ten that were up north weren't living for God because their leadership wasn't living for God. Did you know if you don't follow the right kind of person, you can really get in deep weeds? And so, so, so they had this problem, and there was this conflict, you know, between them and different things. And so, again, we don't have time to go through all of this and 
terms of, but you'll find in the scriptures that, that it is recorded that they didn't live for God, and then you find it where it's recorded they did live for God. Everybody say, thank God for the ones who did. Now, let me ask you an important question. you think that was easy for that king? To take a stand, to establish a standard, to remove all the idols, to get rid of the things that are in that, in that country or amongst the people that are destroying them? Certainly not. But you know, right is right. Righteous is righteous. Unrighteous is unrighteous. And if you allow unrighteous things in your life, in your nation, you know, whatever, however you want to define it, it always comes with consequence. So let's look here at this guy. Thank God I'm going to read about a guy that did it right for the most part. <laughs> Bless his heart. Verse 1, chapter 26, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah. Everybody say Uzziah. Yeah, took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him the king. Can you imagine a 16-year-old being king? That's scary. Okay? In the room or in the stead of his father Amaziah. And he, be, he uh, built uh, Eloth, or Eloth, and he restored it to Judah after the king slept with his father, after his dad had passed away. Verse 3, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. Now, 52 years is a long time for these kings. Usually it was like two months or two years, maybe 15. And usually, dude, there was, you know, a conspiracy that was created, and they killed them, okay? I mean, they just got rid of them. This guy lasted for 52 years. Now, let's, let's go on reading. There were some things that he didn't do quite right. but uh, So, um, he did this, and his mother's name was uh, uh, Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4, and he did that which was, what's that word? Right. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. Now listen, look at verse 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and visions of God. Now listen, this is my point. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. To prosper. Is it fair to say that as long as you and I serve or seek God, that he'll cause us to prosper? Irrespective of what it is that may be going on in the world? Huh? You know, in the New Living Translation, it says it this way. It says, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. So in other words, Zechariah was God's mouthpiece to Uzziah. Well, you and I today have his word. We have the New Testament. We have the epistles. It is the voice or the mouthpiece through which God uses to instruct you and I. And as long as we listen to it and practice it or apply it, then his blessing, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to what? 
How many of you like that idea? How many of you don't care? Sure you do. Everybody wants to prosper. But here's the way it happened. So it says that Zechariah taught him to fear God, and as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. As long as he sought, as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, well, I don't need God. You know, I've ran into people before. I remember one time when I first got saved, we had a, I mean, there was such a move of God, this charismatic movement that we were in. People were getting saved right and left, and this one kid, he wasn't flying right, so I went to him and I talked to him. And I said, man, dude, what are you doing? You need to get yourself back where you belong. And he goes, I'm okay. Well, he was not okay, but he thought he was. And I watched for decades while Satan took advantage of his ignorance and ruined his life and killed him. You see, it does not cost to serve God. It pays. And whenever we get the mistaken idea, well, you know, that can never happen to me, be careful. Because, see, the Bible says that the devil is a liar and that there is absolutely no truth in him. So when you hear the statement, that could never happen to me, you better be careful. Has God really said, ah, no, no, that won't happen. Well, guess what? That cost Adam and Eve big. And not only did it cost them, it cost you and I. Are you with me? So, <clears throat> you say, wow, you're pretty deep here today. Well, you know, we're living in perilous times, dude. Come on. You, we got to get ourselves together so that we don't make false steps. Huh? You know, you allow strife into your house because, by golly, you're right. And you can have it that way. But I tell you this much, it'll cost you in a way that you probably don't want to experience. Am I in the right house? So the Bible says a servant of the Lord must not strive. In other words, don't ever give the devil a place where strife's concerned. People have problems in their marriage because they allow, everybody say allow. They allow things in their lives that could easily be cared for through repentance and humility and all of the things that are associated with a godly lifestyle. But no, 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 I'm going to hang on to this because by golly, I'm right. Sometimes your rightness is way, 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 way too expensive. You with me? As long as Amaziah, no, that was his dad. As long as Uzziah served God, God made him to prosper. Now, he got lifted up in pride, and he made some mistakes, ended up leprous and all kinds of problems, you know. But, but here's the thing, you guys. There is this incredible redemption that Jesus provided for you and me so that we could be born of his spirit. So he redeemed us, glory to God, out from underneath the penalties of sin and death and gave us his life and came to indwell us so that we could have his life and enjoy, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, the blessing of God in our lives just like Uzziah did in the context of his living under the old covenant. But you and I have a new and a better covenant. I mean, it's better. Everybody say better. better. And I tell you what, praise God, it behooves us to move toward God 
and live near God and love God and serve God. Because when you do that, he'll cause you to prosper. When Israel got into the land of Canaan, he said, when you go in there and you lay siege to these, these vineyards you didn't build or these, you know, that you didn't dress, and these buildings and all of these things that you, you end up possessing in this good land that's flowing with milk and honey, and you begin to derive the benefit from that, he said, don't forget who it is that did all of this. Because I declare that if you do, then your life will go the wrong direction and you'll end up in a mess. Are you with me? Happens all the time. Happens all the time. People, you know, they gain a little affluence or whatever the case might be, and, you know, life's good and everything like that, and then they forsake God. Doesn't mean they don't love God. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. It's just they let something get in their life to take them away from their... Am Am I not in the right house? You know, there's all kinds of gifts that Jesus gave to the church. He said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. And it it, it defines them as the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and the teacher. I'm the pastor guy. I pastor. You say, what do pastors do? They pastor. (laughs) Hallelujah. They feed, they lead the flock over which God's given them the oversight. I'm not doing this because I thought it was a good idea. You can ask Randy Vaughn why that's here as a guest here this morning. And guess what? I was not cut out of some fabric to be a preacher. But I am what I am by the grace of God. So I'm going to discharge the responsibility that's given to me to the congregation that he's allowed me the privilege of being able to lead. And I'm going to tell you the truth, man. I'm going to do everything I can to make your life a success. And the only way I can do that is if I tell you what God said, and I can convince you to do what he told you to do. Are you with me? Now, I can give you a social gospel. I can stand up here and, you know, you know preach a newspaper or something like that. But that ain't going to do nobody no good. And, you know, I'm sure that there are times when probably, I would imagine every one of you have probably left the service ticked. I do not like what he said. Well, it wasn't my intention to make you that way. But you know, man, I'm telling you what. I'm going to show you another story about the fact that you better be careful about who you surround yourself with. Because if you're surrounding yourself with people, you know, that tell you what you want to hear, could be a problem. Okay. But Uzziah, everybody say Uzziah. Yeah, as long as he sought the Lord, praise God, he was blessed. Glory to God. So here's the thing. As we see this age drawing to a close, it's going to become increasingly important. It really already is. It's not, you know, going to be. It is important for the child of God to discover and walk in the light of what Jesus said and what he expects us to do. So uh, talking about giving God and his word first place is, is the thing. Because, listen, you guys, everything, everybody say everything. Everything, everything revolves, I mean, literally everything revolves around what God has declared 
and what he has revealed in his word. His word is going to stand. So you and I better figure out what it is that he has said and get in line with it. Would, would you agree? Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and you say, well, you know what? I mean, that's why we got the pastor. I mean, you know, you, 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 you know, mine out all the gold and the treasure, and then you get up there and you share it with us, and then we got it. Well, maybe a little, but no. We all have become lifelong learners when we gave our heart to Jesus. Are you with me? God has an expectation in all of Well, you know, I just, I don't like to read. Neither do I. But so what? You know, if I don't read, if I don't learn, if I don't find ways to feed myself, guess what? I'm not going to be very good at what it is that I have been commissioned to do. So you just have to adjust. Everybody say, yes, I do. I understand, you know, man, I mean, a good book can give me a nap and a heartbeat. You know, and it could be a, t a page turner too, Bill. I don't care. I can still nap. You know, I remember Jerry Savelle, he used to say, you know, he got first saved and, and uh, you know, he'd always read the Bible. The Bible's a good book to go to sleep with too. How many of you found that out? So Jerry Savelle said, you know, he was just tired of it because he kept going to sleep all the time. So he went in his bathroom, turned on all the lights and the fan, and then he stood on the edge of his tub like this and read the Bible. <laughs> Guess what? You won't go to sleep standing on the edge of your tub, I guarantee you that. You say, well, I, do I have to do that? I don't care what you do, you know? Go outside in a gale force storm or whatever it takes. I don't know. But praise God, we need to get in the book and let the book get in us. Are you with me? Because we're living in the last days. And everything revolves around what it is that he said. There's no higher authority in all the universe than, than, than God's declared spoken word. It's all going to come to pass exactly like he said. Are you listening to me? I mean, like you see all this stuff, you know, going on, you know, and, and, and I mean, people are coming unraveled and all kinds of things, you know. There's going to be a whole lot more of it. And that's why God has chosen you to be the person to come alongside that individual and say, hey, guess what? There's a place of refuge. God has a plan for your life. And you don't have to live your life in fear and et cetera, et cetera. Because... I mean, that, it, it, it ought to drive you to say, you know what, if in fact what God has said is true, I really ought to probably find out what it is he said is going to happen. You know? Now, here's the other aspect about that. In all that he has said is going to happen, in all of that, Jesus himself said, let not your hearts be what? Troubled. Troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that. And receive you unto myself so that you can be where I am. That's good news. That is our blessed hope. Are you listening to me? But in the meantime, back at the pass, if you're a Western watcher, did you get that? How many of you didn't get that? Meanwhile, back at the pass, Bill, you know, that's something else is going on in the story. Meanwhile, while we're living on this earth, 
then we're going to apply. Everybody say apply. Apply Apply what it is that he's asked us to do or to, you know, to practice, to love one another. You know, the Bible says the love of many, you know, will grow cold. And I've said it again and again. Just because theirs does doesn't mean yours has to. Huh? The love way is the victor's way. Are you with me? And the love of God, the Bible says, has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But I don't like them. Well, it doesn't matter what you like. It's only what matters is what he said. Huh? That's just your flesh. You know? That went over big. How am I doing? Start the car, honey. I think we need to get going here. He said, my covenant will I not break, nor will I ever alter anything that has gone from my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness. Now, when you start reading the scriptures and understanding that God is watching over every word that he has spoken as it relates to you, then praise God, dear friend, you can go to the bank that he'll take care of you as he said he would. Isn't that right? Huh? Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe. You know what? I think you need to turn to this. Why don't you turn to Psalm uh, 33? Because it, it, it's so relative to what's going on in our world right now that uh, I think it'll be a blessing to you. Psalm 33. How many of you glad you came today? Look at this scripture with me. Psalm 33 and verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Listen to me, you guys. For all of the people that are mocking God, mocking the church, mocking the believer, the child of God, all of them that are spurning, you know what I mean by that? I mean, just, you know, casting off scornful about what it is that's going on. I'm telling you what, they have no idea the whirlwind that they're going to reap. They have no idea. So don't ever be ashamed of the gospel, you know? Because that's the whole shaming thing is, is, it's nothing new. The devil has been using it as a device, and he's using it now more so than ever. If you don't think the way I think, you're wrong. Huh? And they try to shame you into some kind of a corner where hell exists. How dare you resist? Well, you better to resist. Mind the right house. This verse of Scripture here says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to nothing. You know, got all these alliances that are being created and, you know, all these, you know, nations are trying to, you know, shuck and jive and get themselves together. Dude, I'm telling you what, God is going to send a sidewinder to their house. It's just like this thing that happened in Israel. Did you read that? You know, they got all this stuff coming from Gaza and they're, they're bombed. And then, and then the world says, how dare Israel? You know, defend themselves. Well, what on God's green earth are they going to do? Are they supposed to take it? 
That's so stupid. And yet they're trying to shame them into not defending their own lives. So they said, you start messing with Tel Aviv and we're coming after you. All, everything that they had done was just defensive. Well, guess what? Those guys decided they were going to throw stuff at Tel Aviv, and guess what? They showed, and this is so cool. This is so God. They said, we're lining up on your border. We're coming in. Well, they already knew that they had all these tunnels and everything, you know, in the Gaza Strip built, and these places of refuge for them to go. As soon as they heard that Israel was coming, they all ran to one spot, or a couple. And then what did they do? Israel knew it, and they'd get these buster barn bombs and dude, fly over and drop them and took care of a whole host of problems. He said he would bring the heathen to naught. Nothing. Are you with me? Let's go on reading. It gets better. Notice it goes on to say, He makes the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Everybody say, yes, it does. does. Yeah. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now listen to this. The Lord looks from heaven and he beholds or sees all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts alike. He considers all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by such strength or much strength. The horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that what? Fear him upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we've trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in you. Hallelujah. Hope thou in God. Isn't that right? So important for us to be able to do that and understand that. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, regardless of the trying times that we find ourselves to be in or living in, the word of the Lord is going to stand. So I tell you what, everybody say, you're in good shape. In good shape. Rephrase that. Everybody say, I'm in, I'm in good shape. You're in good shape. Why? Because of him. As long as you always remember that. Praise God. So, you know, when I talk about giving God and his word first place, I'm talking about giving heed to the instruction that we find within. You know, you can fix some stuff in your life if you really want to. Sometimes we're just not doing what he said. You say, I don't like you very much. I told you there are people that have that. I have that effect on people. (laughs) But if I tell you that if what I say is true, then I can't help that. You with me? You know, giving heed to the instruction that we find within. How many of you have ever put off something you need to do? Huh? And you really wish later that you'd have done that? Can any of you think of that? You know, if you've got a leaky pipe in your house, you know, or something like that, you know, it's leaking. 
You don't think much, eh, I'd be all right. yeah, I really probably ought to do something about that. And then all of a sudden it lets go and you're not home. And guess what? You got a basement full of water. Could have been done. What am I trying to say? Let's not wait until we're in crisis to hold a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let's build the foundation now so that when the storms come, we have a place of refuge and we can trust in Him. And so, again, putting his word, uh, you know, the influence of God's word, what, how, what kind of influence does it have? Do we, we think, well, now, wait a minute, what's God's word say about this? That's what I'm talking about. The place of value it occupies within our daily routine, the level of reverence and honor that we give to his, his living word. Remember, Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper, and he'll do the same thing for you. Are you with me? Now, to try to close this thing, um, let's turn to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Let's back up. I want to show you another story here before we uh, conclude. Second Chronicles chapter 18, and uh, this is a great story. And... Uh, <clears throat> Hallelujah. It's such a great story. Jehoshaphat was one of the kings that uh, did right in the sight of God. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, now you can read about some of the rest of them. It wasn't so good. But Jehoshaphat did. And um, what I mean by that is he cleaned house in the country when he became king. Got rid of the idols, cleaned up some stuff, did some different things restored things where the temple was concerned and worship and so on and so forth, you know. And so he was that kind of an individual. Now, I want you to notice in chapter 18, verse 1, it says that uh, because of this, you know, because of his following God, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and he joined affinity with Ahab. Or he allied, uh, aligned, allied? He allied, thank you. I knew that should be somewhere else. But anyway, uh, himself through marriage ties to Ahab. Now, how many of you know about Ahab? Does Jezebel ring a bell? Ahab and Jezebel. He was a king in Israel, Ahab was, and he was a bad king. Everybody say bad king. Yes, he was a bad king. And I don't know, you know, I, I looked at some commentaries and stuff, and they, they, they surmise that Jehoshaphat's son married one of Ahab's daughters in order for the nations, Israel and Judah, to get along. And, you know, just hopefully to make some, you know, uh, amends, if you want to call it that. Well, the unfortunate thing about that is, is that when that occurred then Jehoshaphat's strength and his ability also became Ahab's, so that if Ahab went to battle, Jehoshaphat had to go with him. Okay? So they were going after the Syrians, and the Syrians were enemies of both uh, Israel and Judah. But I want you, as we go on reading here, it says, after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep, oxen, in abundance for the people, and 
that he had with him, persuaded him to go up with him to uh, Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Will you go with me to uh, Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him and said, I am as you are, my people, as your people, and we will uh, be with thee in the war. So in other words, they're, you know, when they made covenants or alliances with one another, it meant something. You know, and if you're a person of integrity, as was Jehoshaphat, he said, your people are my people. We'll fight with you. Okay? That's what you do. You know? So, uh, notice what it then goes on to say in verse 4. And this is a great part. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Ahab, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. What's that doing? That's putting God's word first. What's God got to say about You know, we ought to ask God what he thinks about this. So Ahab says, no problem. I'll get the prophets. And it's understood that probably these 400 prophets were probably government officials within his regime. And he brought them all together. Notice what happens here. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together the prophets, 400 men, and he said to them, Shall we go to uh, Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And they said, Oh, go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hands. You remember what I said to you earlier about being careful about people saying whatever it is you want them to say? So when, when Jehoshaphat hears this in verse 6, he said, Wait a minute. In other words, he saw right through this. He goes, you got to be kidding me. And he asks this question. He says, is there not a real prophet? Notice, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is what, yet one man by whom you may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. He says, for he never prophesies good to be, but always evil. And the same is Micaiah, uh, the son of uh, Emla. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. And so it goes on then. <laughs> Isn't that amusing? I don't like him. He never says what I want him to say. You know, when you're, when you're evil and full of the devil, you don't think very square. So anyway, in verse 8. The king of Israel called one of his officers, and he said, Hey, go get him. Verse 9, The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes, and they sat in a void place at the entering of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And they were all, they were all probably saying, you know, you ought to do it. One of them, this Zedekiah, the son of uh, this guy, uh, had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver you into the hand of the king. So the messenger that went to call uh, Micaiah uh, spake unto him and said, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let your word, therefore, I pray thee, be like theirs, and speak thou good. And, and uh, Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, even what my God says, that's what I'm going to say. In other words, he's saying, everybody's saying you should do this, so I want you to go up there and chime in with them. 
Now, you know what? It takes a little hair to show up where 400 other guys are saying we ought to do this, and you go up there and say, not, not a good idea. Huh? Especially when King Ahab's standing there saying, I hate you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what am I saying to you in that? Praise God, don't ever be ashamed of what's true. So, um, anyway, in 14... When he was come to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to, to battle, or shall we forbear? And he said, oh, yeah, go on up. It, it doesn't say that in this context, because you've got you to understand the mood. He basically mocks them. Oh, yeah, go up, prosper. Everything's going to be great, king. So notice what it says, you know, uh, and... and um, Verse 15, the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure thee that you say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? And then he said to him, Well, I, I did see Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. I did see, the Lord said, These have no master. Uh, let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you? that he would not prophesy good to me, but evil. And again, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one spake, saying, After this manner, and another saying, After that. And then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, How? He said, I will go out, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do it. Wow. You say, is this real? Absolutely real. The devil's a liar. And he's out to kill, steal, and to destroy. And so there was sent. Why was the evil spirit sent to Ahab? Because he did evil in the sight of the Lord. It isn't, you know, God said, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to make this guy pay. It wasn't that. It was choices that Ahab had made. So he surrounded himself with people that were only just causing more and more problems. They did go to battle. And this weak um, gutless, um, Yahoo said, now, now, Jehoshaphat, you dress up like a king, I'm going to dress up like a commoner, and then we'll go to battle. And hopefully they'll see you. He didn't say this, but hopefully they'll see you and chase you and try to kill you. And that's exactly what happened. But then they realized, this isn't Ahab. This is some other guy. And they turned. And the Bible says, just by chance, some guy shoots an arrow, and it ends up going between, you know, I suppose the, you know, hinge or whatever of his breastplate and strikes Ahab. You know, it's not, it's not a good thing to be on the wrong side of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Well, he ended up dying, okay? And here's the thing. Jehoshaphat was spared. Are you listening to me? How many of you know it pays to obey God? It pays to serve God. It pays to live for God. 
It, pray, it pays to pray to God. I'm telling you, you guys, we're living in the last days, and we need him desperately in these last days to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to give us peace, to keep us from fear and trouble and all kinds of other things that are going on. I bought a bolt. It's a lag screw, actually. It's a three-quarter inch lag screw about this long. It cost me $9.25. It's a bolt for crying out loud, Jeff. You know, how many of you know costs are going up? Yeah. I bought a board. One board. It was $96. You say, what kind of a board was it? Was it made out of gold or what was it? Well, it was a cedar board. Two by ten cedar board. Uh, 14 feet long. It was $92. Excuse me. I bought two sheets of plywood. This stuff that they use as junk left over and glue it together. And sell it to you. That you could buy, used to be able to buy for like six, seven bucks. $52 for a sheet of it. You say, what'd you do? I bought it. Why? Because I needed it. You know? I believe that God will take care of his own. You say, well, I can't afford that. That's the first thing I'd stop doing. Is saying that. Are you with me? Now, you may have to do a little adjusting, but I'm telling you what, praise God. Where God guides, he will provide. Trust him. Trust him. You know, he'll take care of you. Are you with me? You say, what are you going to do with that bolt? That's never your mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like to take it back, get my $10 back. Hallelujah. But we're living in these times, you guys, but I'm telling you that God, the God of heaven and earth, he will provide. When the plagues came on the Egyptians, which is a type of the world, they all suffered because of it. But the people, the children of God, the children of Israel, what? They, didn't have, they had no effect of it. Did you hear me? You say, can that happen? Why not? Huh? Absolutely. Well, to bring this to a close, let me just say this to you. There are great rewards. Everybody say, yes, there is. There's great rewards to living for God, for putting his word first in your life. Hallelujah. I mean, here's the thing. This is a fact you can't go wrong when you do. Yeah, but you know, I kind of like my own little way of doing things and whatever. You might want to re reassess your own little ways. Huh? Might be worth it. Praise God. God told Joshua that if he would not allow the word to depart from his eyes, Keep it in the midst of his heart to observe, to do according to all that is written therein. He said, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. You say, even in the troubling times that we're in? Yes, 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 yes. Amen. How many of you believe that this morning? Let's stand together, if you would, please. I went long enough here. Hallelujah. You know, when we first started our church, we would go for hours. I, it was awesome. We didn't have anything to do. People say, well, what do you do in church for two hours? We have church. We worship God. We study the word, you know. And then, you know, life gets busier and busier and everything gets neck down, neck down, neck down. You know, if you had a three-hour service today, people wouldn't even know how to act. Well, actually, they'd probably leave, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> We're living in the last days, you guys. So we really need to be chasing him and not all the other things. So I want us to pray together today and 
You know, if you feel like in your heart, I'm not, I, hopefully the message that I shared with you will encourage you in your faith and in your walk with God. It's not intended to condemn, but I will say this, you know, if you felt like you're a little, uh, how would I just, cool, you know, in your relationship with God, or maybe where uh, God's, the priority of God's word is in your life needs to be adjusted a little bit, this is a great time for that to occur. Let's pray. Father, we just love you and thank you for everything that you've promised. We're so grateful, Father God, that our lives are within your hands. And God, we are ever mindful of the mercy of God that has kept us and sustained us even to this present hour. Father, we ask you now to help us as believers, as the church. Father, to be salt and light in the world in which we live. God, help us to order our steps in a way or a manner that is pleasing unto you. God, we love you and we're so grateful for everything that you've done within our lives. And Father, we present ourselves as individuals, as couples, as families before you today. And we're asking you, Father, to help us to make your word a priority in our lives, to make you, yeah, Lord of our lives. And I just thank you, Father God, for your working, not only within this congregation, but even those, Father, that may be watching by internet. Father, that each and every one of us, Father, will commit ourselves anew and afresh to your plans and your purposes for each and every one of us. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you believe, I just want you to let your heart agree with this prayer as we pray before our Heavenly Father. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for all that you have done and the salvation you provided for me and my family. And God, today I commit to give your word its rightful place in my life. I ask you, Lord, by the Holy Spirit to help me. May the still small voice that is on the inside of me guide me in the way that you'd have me to go. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening me and making me the person you'd have me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And if you would, please, when you're seated, just bow your heads for one more moment. We never want to ever take anything for granted. But while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and while you're seated there, if perhaps you happen to have come to the service today and you'd never made a decision to receive Christ, you know, as your Lord and your Savior, He came for you. He came for each and every one of us. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord can and will be saved. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never made a decision to become a follower of his. If you're like me, a lot of folk were telling me I needed to, and, and in my heart of hearts, I knew it, but I, I just, uh, I was putting the decision off. And finally, I came to the place of realizing that I needed him. Maybe, maybe that's where you're at today. And we're not here to embarrass anyone. We just, we love you, God loves you, and he wants the best for you. But again, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you're here, you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, but you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer because I want to know him. 
If there's anyone here today, would you just slip up your hand wherever you might be as I look across the crowd? Anyone? You're not a believer in the, in the context of having a personal relationship with them. Anyone at all? For those of you that may be watching by internet, the same circumstance may exist in your life where you don't really know him. But you can pray a prayer, a simple prayer, and God will come and visit you and change your life forever. Church, let's go ahead and pray together. I want to just lead you in this prayer so that if there are those watching by internet, that they can pray as well. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I receive you as my Savior. And I thank you for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Now, for those of you watching, if that's a decision that you have made, I would like to encourage you that if you know someone who is a believer or a Christian, that you would go to them and tell them about this decision that you've made in your life so that they can help you in your walk and help you get started in becoming a follower of Christ. And not only that, but you can let us know here at the church. You can call the number uh, 712-482-3455. Again, 712-482-3455. Let us know about your decision. We've got some material and books we would love to send to you to place into your hands so that you can get started in this new walk with him. And so we would appreciate that very much. Not only that, it would be our privilege to be able to help you get started. So God bless you. Well, how many are you glad you came today? Praise God. We're going to go ahead and receive our morning.